The government will launch its annual free flu vaccination program Monday. This year, six million doses of flu vaccines made by three different manufacturers have been made available. Nine different categories of people, such as the elderly and youths, qualify for the free jabs, while other members of the public are very enthusiastic about paying for their own flu shot. A pediatrician has suggested that people get their flu shots early, as this will help doctors distinguish between patients with flu symptoms and those with COVID symptoms. A big stack of pre-booked appointments piled up at this clinic. They are advance orders for self-paid flu shots. This year, under the influence of the COVID-19 pandemic and ahead of the flu season, the public has been extremely enthusiastic about getting their recommended flu shot. This year, the numbers of inquiries and vaccinations are very high. The main reason for this is that the coronavirus and influenza are both prevalent at this time of the year. Advance appointments for self-paid flu shots at my clinic are almost booked out. Many clinics have advanced bookings that are at 70 to 80 percent of their overall capacity. In addition to self-paid flu shots, the government will start giving free jabs on Monday as part of its annual free influenza vaccination program. And the Centers for Disease Control has prepared six million doses. Paediatricians are urging the public to get their shot as soon as possible so that the doctors in future can determine whether patients have the flu or the dreaded COVID-19 virus. It's difficult to distinguish between the symptoms of the coronavirus and influenza. Even doctors can hardly tell them apart, so what can you do? In the end, there are only screening tests. If you're vaccinated against the flu, at least you can eliminate symptoms that are caused by the flu and the chances of you getting mistaken for having the coronavirus will be greatly reduced. The government's vaccine this year is a quadrivalent vaccine made by three manufacturers. Sanofi, a French multinational pharmaceutical company, along with Taiwan's Adimmune and TTY Biofarm. Two kinds of the vaccines have been developed from chicken eggs and one from the cells of mammals. They offer roughly the same protection. Those eligible for the government's free influenza vaccination program include children aged from six months to preschool, primary, middle and high school students, vocational high school students and people over 50. In addition, nursery staff and medical staff are eligible. Altogether, nine different categories of people qualify for the free shots. In addition, to cut down the time spent on waiting in line, the Centers for Disease Control has provided a map on its website, which allows members of the public to easily locate the clinics near their homes that have the free vaccines. The CNFI, an association representing the majority of manufacturing businesses in Taiwan, has estimated that employers' cost of hiring people will go up next year. The organization came up with its estimates after the labor ministry decided in August that starting next year, the monthly minimum wage will be adjusted from its current 23,800 NT to 24,000 NT. The labor insurance rate will also increase by 0.5 percent. The CNFI is estimating that health insurance premiums will probably increase from 4.69 percent to 5.23 percent. Based on the calculation that there are 7.95 million workers employed by industries, 
we employers will see labour insurance premium costs increase by 10.1 billion NT, while health insurance costs for employers will increase by a total of 20.4 billion NT. The minimum wage increases amount to 4.9 billion NT. This translates to costs of roughly 36 billion NT to be shouldered by the industry. The CNFI estimates that health insurance premiums must be increased to a rate of 5.3% to prevent the health insurance program's reserve fund from drying up. If the government does not make such an increase in the next two years, the rate will certainly have to be adjusted higher in two years' time. Well, the glorious weather over the long weekend will soon come to an end. Starting Monday, temperatures will plummet by as much as 10 degrees, with northern and northeastern regions becoming wet. Meanwhile, the Central Weather Bureau is keeping an eye on a tropical disturbance over the western Pacific, saying that it's tracking westward toward Taiwan and that it may strengthen into a typhoon. The sun was blazing on the last day of the mid-autumn festival and people seized the day to enjoy the great outdoors in great weather. But starting Monday, temperatures across the island are expected to plummet by at least 10 degrees. Compared with today, the whole day tomorrow will be cooler by 8 to 10 degrees. Especially in northern Taiwan, temperatures could drop down to 25 to 27 degrees. So beware of temperature changes. As for the central and southern regions, the change will be less. The high temperatures will be around 32 or 33 degrees. Starting Monday, a cold air mass will arrive. Northern and northeastern regions will turn wet and cool, with high temperatures to drop from 33 degrees to 23 degrees. Regions north of Taoyuan will probably be wet all day. After the northeasterly winds pick up, moisture will gradually increase, so the entire northern and northeastern regions will likely experience brief intermittent showers. Jilung, the north coast Yilan and mountainous regions in the greater Taipei area, will see continuous rainfall with a chance of heavy rainfall. People should beware of the precipitation. Other than the expected cold and rainy weather, a tropical disturbance has been developing over the seas northeast of Taiwan. There may be a possibility that it will form into a typhoon, and it's not been ruled out that we'll head directly for Taiwan. If this system continues to develop in the next couple of days, we will not rule out the possibility of it turning into a tropical depression. Subsequently, we'll move westward and approach the Ryukyu Islands. But this tropical disturbance and its intensity are still uncertain right now. This has been a year of few typhoons. Even when typhoons were formed, none of their peripheries touched Taiwan. The last typhoon-free year was 1964, and that record may be broken as the current year winds down. It remains to be seen whether a typhoon will affect the National Day long weekend next week. Taiwan's population is aging fast and there are now nearly half a million seniors who need round-the-clock care. The traditional approach to supporting bedridden seniors has simply been to reduce their discomfort. But one foundation is making the case for a new approach, one that centers on rehabilitation. 
Three years ago, it sent occupational therapists into the country to help bedridden patients walk again. Today, in our Sunday special report, we check in on some of those patients who show us their miraculous progress. Driving up this windy mountain road, occupational therapist Wang Zhiyuan is headed for Mrs. Su's home, where he is to carry out an important mission. A media crew is following closely behind, hoping to take a look at how 79-year-old Su's recovering is coming along. When we first came here, Mrs. Su was utterly immobile on the bed. She'd had a fall and her back was in great pain. The first time I came here, she couldn't even turn over. She'd turn for five seconds and then have to turn back around. She just stayed like that, stuck on the bed. At the time, I found it hard to be cheerful. I would think about how I could take another fall and just end my life. I didn't want my son to have to spend so much money. One unexpected fall brought Mrs. Sue's life to a new low. After being bedridden for so long, she could hardly separate day from night. Even worse, being bedridden accelerated her body's degradation, giving rise to one health problem after another. When you're lying down, your muscles go into a relaxed state. Some research has shown that after lying down for a week, a person's muscle strength will decrease by 10% to 12%. After being bedridden for a month, it's possible a person will only have half their body strength remaining. After two months, only one quarter of the strength will remain. Also, she says she has muscle atrophy in her legs. It just confirms what the science shows about bedridden patients. Bedridden patients lack stimulation from the environment, and their body functions slowly degrade. When someone is bedridden for two months, like Mrs. Sue, they don't only experience muscle atrophy in their legs. Even defecation becomes a challenge. The longer one lies down, the worse it will be. Someone who initially could eat on their own, after lying down for a long time may not even be able to swallow. After that, maybe the nasal and stomach pathways and then all the pathways will be inundated or even clogged by glycerin globules. Defecation will only be possible by excavating the bowels. So when we visit someone at home, the first thing we need to deal with is the patient's bedridden state. According to the Directorate General of Budget, Accounting and Statistics, there were over 400,000 care-dependent people in 2017. Each year since, that figure has risen by 20,000 people. It's a significant rate of increase. Researchers have concluded that, on average, a person in Taiwan will require 7.3 years of long-term care. Aiming to curb this trend and to reduce the duration of long-term care required, the Borjas Foundation launched a program three years ago to help older people in their homes. Deploying occupational therapists and a range of assistive devices, the foundation helps elderly people leave their beds and begin walking again so that they can return to a life that's as normal as possible. For her recovery, the most important thing will be for her to get out of bed. So we're using an electric adjustable bed, using its electric functions to reduce the need for her to rely on her own body strength. This will help her get used to sitting up. In his first session with Mrs. Su, Wang asked that she sit up for at least 10 hours. After a week of sitting up, Mrs. Su's body strength showed an obvious improvement. The next step was for her to leave the bed. 
A transfer board and padded wheelchair were important assistive devices in this second stage of recovery. Wang taught the family how to use a transfer board to move Mrs. Su to her wheelchair. Once on the wheelchair, she was moved to the living room to watch television. There, she napped on the wheelchair when tired. In this way, she spent her first day away from her bedroom, away from her bed. Mrs. Zhang, 92, had a stroke in September last year. The stroke left her paralyzed on the right side of her body. Her condition had gradually worsened. In the beginning, it was her legs, and then when she was in the hospital, she discovered that she could no longer lift her arms up high. After they ran tests, they learned she had had a stroke. When we heard about the stroke, we couldn't believe it, because normally she moves about quite a lot. She doesn't tend to eat large meals, so the news was very much unexpected to us. Once quite healthy and active, Mrs. Zhang was left unable to walk on her own. Today, she relies on her wheelchair and other assistive devices to move around at home. Wang's goal is to help Mrs. Cheng walk again. To begin, she will practice standing and sitting. After a life of harsh farm work, Mrs. Zhang demonstrates the toughness and perseverance characteristic of her generation. In the company of her family, she devotedly does her exercises. And when her children aren't there, she practices on her own. Mom is really quite active and positive-minded. She hopes to start walking as soon as possible because she's used to living on her own. She wants to be able to handle things on her own. During sessions with his patients, Wang notes their progress and replaces their assistive devices accordingly. The company that provides these devices sees itself as an active partner in patient rehabilitation. Our mindset before regarding the use of assistive devices was, if you can't stand, I'll give you a wheelchair. If you can't sit, I'll give you an electric bed. However, this only helps people be more comfortable. It just reduces their discomfort. Through this current program, our thought process is if the patient is bedridden, then we find a way to help them restore body functions, eventually enabling them to sit in a wheelchair. If they are in a wheelchair, we hope to help them stand. We can use wheeled walking devices to help them stand. In some cases, we can even take them off of assistive devices, giving them back their previous quality of life. In the three years since the program started, the foundation has helped over 300 people with a success rate of around 60%. Success doesn't only hinge on the patients themselves. More importantly, it depends on whether they have the support of their family. The one hurdle we face is the family, how confident they are in the patient and how willing they are to support the patient. That's more vital than the patient's actual illness. From the least serious cases to the most serious cases, we've seen all sorts of patients successfully recover. Therefore, the seriousness of the patient's illness, I feel, is not that big of an issue. With the steadfast support of her son, Mrs. Su has made obvious progress, but only after overcoming the initial hump. Unable to endure the pain, she was unwilling to complete the exercises, causing complaints and consternation. 
忍不住哈，我就骂他。At the time, I couldn't help but scold her. I said, "I've given you everything. Are you unwilling to do something as simple as sitting up? What is it you want?" At the time, her son was next to me. I told him, "If your mother continues like this, it won't matter what doctors you find for her, what medicine she takes, or what equipment you buy for her. It will all be a waste of time because she's not even able to sit up, not even willing to do so." In the beginning, I was of the mindset that since she was in so much pain, I should just give in to her a bit. But Mr. Wang is right. You can't just totally follow her wishes. You have to be a little bit persistent with her. To help push her over that threshold. At one point, she was ready to give up. She refused to get out of bed, but after being scolded, Mrs. Su doubled down on her rehabilitation. In less than half a year, she was able to walk on her own. She was even able to make her way down five flights of stairs to go outside for a stroll. In the past, I rode the tour bus, visiting every odd place. Ali Shan is the only place I haven't been to. Only if I can walk can I visit Anishan. Being unable to walk is even more painful. When you can't walk, you are stuck at home. If you want to do something or want to see something, you can't. Now I can walk, and now if I'm standing at my door and there is something I want to see, like if I want to go and look at those flowers or to look at those onions I planted last time, I can. My onions have all died. Ha ha. I feel like these elderly men and women are very impressive. They went through many hardships in life, and now in this stage of life, they're facing the greatest test of their lives. I'm not sure whether I could do it myself. Whether it could stand up again after being knocked down, seeing this 60, 70, 80-odd-year-old men and women being willing to stand up again, it just melts my heart. Becoming bedridden doesn't need to define the final chapter of life. With the help of their family, these seniors are pushing themselves to reclaim their golden years. The women's doubles top seeds Taiwan Xie Shuwei and the Czech Republic's Barbara Switzova defeated their Czech Dutch opponents Marie Bushkovana and Arenso Rus at the French Open over the weekend. The top seeds saved a set point in the first set before pulling away 7-5-6-1. In an hour and 26 minutes, the two women exhibited their rapport and power, and are now ready for the third round at Roland Garros.